0: Good morning and happy, happy, happy Sunday. If you're here, you must be ready for today's episode of Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit with yours truly, Dr. Carol Penn. Let's relax, let's sit back, and let's get ready. So we're going to have Wonderful can he bring us on with our wonderful music. Here we go. Waitless, waitless. No matter what people
1: say you're full of greatness. Greatness. The time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous, courageous. If only they could see you going through your
0: paces. It's amazing. Waitless. Greatness Time you open up your eyes You work away Just If only they can see it Going through your paces It's amazing Weightless No matter what people say You're full of greatness Time you open up your eyes You work courageous only they can see you
1: going through your pace. It's amazing. Well, good morning, good
0: morning, good morning, and happy Sunday. I am just delighted to welcome to this morning's show myself. And our special guest and all of you as we wake up in these early season of spring. It's early in the season, is it not? I'm so excited to be here this morning. In a minute, you're going to meet our very, very special guest. However, first, I have to acknowledge our sponsors, Penn Global Visions and Penn Global Medical Group for bringing us today's show. And now you know the name of the show is Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit with Dr. Carol Penn. And we talk about what it means to be weightless in the physical sense, how that impacts us physically, how it impacts our physical health. We also talk about what it means to be weightless in the emotional sense, the mental sense, the spiritual sense. Hence, that is how the show comes to have its name. And today we are so incredibly fortunate because my sister, Doc, oh my goodness, Dr. Jada Moore Ruffin is joining us today as a fellow obesity medicine expert and wellness expert and coach to bring it all together for all of us. I can't wait to have this conversation with her and with you Because you know what y'all do, you all get in there, you get in the chat, you post your questions and your comments. And so we are going to go now, as we always do, we're going to welcome people who are with us live this morning. And we also welcome, of course, our audience that is going to be joining us later when we podcast this episode and also joining us as we share this episode and people watch the replay. But right now, let's see who's here live and let's say hello. Oh my goodness. Good morning and welcome, Marianne. Hashtag Meditation Nation, Red Bank, New Jersey is in the house. Good morning and welcome, Dr. Kathy. Woo! Hailing from the part of our country over there in Wisconsin. Yes, Dr. Kathy and I are working together with the Center for Mind Body Medicine this week doing a national professional training program. So good morning. Good morning, sunshine. Dr. Kina is in the house. So we are, as always, just thrilled For people who join us live, those of you that join us for the replay, just put hashtag replay in there and we'll know that you were there for the replay. And as always, we do love to answer your questions, support you, and then have that wonderful back and forth engagement. All right. All right. All right. So. All right, you all. Without further ado. I am going to begin to bring today's guest on air. And you know me, I share the background and the bio of our incredible guest. And I always like to bring them on camera. So you're not watching me read their bio. You're looking at them. I just like people to receive and get that energetic imprint from our guests who are so amazing, amazing. And you know, my goal is that people out here that are spreading a good word, they shouldn't be the best kept secrets. They need to be the people that we go to, the people that we know exist in the world, if for no other reason to understand that representation matters. And here we are doing a good work and spreading a good word. All right. All right. All right. So I'm going to bring her on camera because she's gorgeous. She's wonderful. She is our very own. There she is. Dr. Jada Moore Ruffin. So already, you love her already, right? You love her. She's just remarkable. So here you go, folks. Dr. Jada Moore Ruffin, widely known as Dr. Jada, is a nationally recognized weight loss specialist, wellness expert, and successful entrepreneur with an award-winning weight loss center. Dr. Moore Ruffin received her undergraduate degree in biology from Memphis State University and her medical degree from Mahari Medical College, where she graduated with honors. She is certified as both an integrative nutrition coach and a professional abundant life coach. She is also board certified in family and obesity medicine. So I want you all to underscore integrative nutrition coach. Going to be a very important part of our conversation today. Outside of being a renowned weight loss physician, Dr. Jada is also the author of the amazing bestseller, Girl Get Ready to Lose the... Uh, Can I say it?
1: Can I say it?
0: Damn Wait. Her book explains all of the factors that contribute to weight gain and offers holistic advice. She also is the host of her annual Girl Get Ready virtual summit, which is dedicated to helping women with their wellness and personal development. With a passion for personal growth, total wealth, total wellness, total wellness, and abundant living, Dr. Jada inspires people to engineer their own happiness, live full out, and create a healthy legacy. In her spare time, she enjoys nature walks, wine tasting, writing, and cooking. She also volunteers with her beloved sisterhood, Delta, Sigma, Theta sorority in the educational development youth initiatives and physical and mental health. Dr. Moore Ruffin resides in Atlanta with her forever husband and their wonderful three children. Affectionately, they are known as Team Ruffin. Welcome, Dr. Jada. Thank <laughs> Drum you. roll, please. We're so <laughs> excited to have you here this morning.
1: How are you, Sister Doc? Good morning, Dr. Carol and all of your friends and your tribe. I'm fabulous. Never been better. Thank you for asking. Today is an awesome and amazing day, and I'm so glad to be here and spend this morning with you and your friends. So hey, let's do it.
0: (laughs) Yes, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. So um, I am just always fascinated about how my guests get from point B to point C, point C to point D. So in other words, When you were born, you weren't born, Dr. Jada Moore Ruffin. You became that. Or as Michelle Obama writes in her wonderful book, Becoming, Mm -hmm. this is a state of becoming. Tell us a little bit about your journey, because I know people need to hear these stories. Hearing the stories and bearing witness to our stories oftentimes plants a seed or opens a door for others to step through or to help their garden grow?
1: Well, love. I love that question. It's a great place to start. It's always at the beginning. So in the beginning, there was this little girl in Memphis, Tennessee that went to public school and had an experience with a neighborhood, uh, a friend of mine's mother in, the na- in our neighborhood, who back then was really one of the earliest cases of um, breast cancer. I ended up being at her bedside throughout her treatments, and um, unfortunately, she did succumb to breast cancer at the age of thirty-five. Mm. That was a pivotal moment. A pivotal moment for me. I knew that um, I wanted to do something in the service helps in, you know, field, but I didn't know exactly what. And as an eleventh grader going into high school, I mean, going into my senior year that was a defining moment for me. Uh, Fast forward with this past week, we celebrated National Doctors' Day and I posted um, a a post about being a freshman in college and seeing my advisor who who did not look like me at all, and his comments to me that I needed to maybe consider going into another major, perhaps nursing, because my math scores from my standardized tests weren't strong enough for me to be competitive to get into medical school. So I'll fast forward to now, and that I have enjoyed and been grateful to be a physician, holistic minded, wellness minded physician before it was really a thing, and to be able to offer now my expertise in the area of weight loss and wellness. So I think that's the that's the fast forward through it all. And I think the, the take home message is, if I end that story, is that we're going to meet adversity. We're going to hit obstacles. We're going to hit things that say, you can't do this. This is not for you. This is reserved for someone else. And I, the two things that I say is always believe in yourself and always have somebody beside you who believes in you just as much, if not more.
0: Wow. That is so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. And what's sitting with me from your story is this last comment about always having someone besides you that believes in you, if not having a greater belief in you. Could you Tell us a little bit more about that. What you mean by that? Having someone beside you.
1: You know, I believe that in uh, 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 a lot of times we we know that people say, uh, "Go and find your greatness," or "Find your purpose," or "Go be great." Greatness is already present. You know, it is us uncovering it. It's us allowing it to emerge is us giving ourselves permission to be great. And that doesn't happen the same way for every person. Sometimes your life journey tells you that you're not good enough. Sometimes something in, your, in the back of your mind, in some experience in life says that I don't measure it up, I don't have enough of this, I'm not tall enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not light enough. All the things that will tell us or talk us out of our destiny So I say, have the belief in yourself. And that's something we always want to continue to develop because we are always going to, if we're really evolving, then we're always going upward, elevating. So believe in yourself and and develop strategies for for improving that in you. And one of those strategies, I believe, is to have someone beside you that can also see that in you, that's right there with you to say, hey, I see I see even more of what you than what you see. You got this. You gotta do it. You gotta at least go for it. You gotta go, you gotta go. So I, that's what I mean by that is having somebody who and you you probably heard it a different way. You know, you've heard it said, somebody that's look around you, what, who builds up your or makes up your inner circle, because that's where you will see yourself evolve and a bu- and bud from. So I, can, I think it's kind of a similar concept, but believing in yourself and someone else that believes in you is the message.
0: Oh, I love that message. And, and, and I'm, I'm thinking of our audience who's gathered here this morning. And you know how many of us who are watching live right now, who will listen later or watch later, have a story where we have been knocked down and also have that other story where we got back up and we got back up with the help of somebody. It is, I think, imperative. As human beings, I think we're herd animals. We're not supposed to go it alone. Although a lot of us, again, because of acculturation, feel like we do have to go it alone, right? So this is from Mary, and I was just singing before the show. If I can help somebody along the way, then my living shall not be in vain. Very powerful, very powerful, whether it's formal or informal ways. I know you and I both met because we have the same business coach Again, and talking about not having to go it alone, having someone who believes in you and sees in you more so than you believe and see in yourself. So hashtag, thank you, Dr. Dre on Birch and the Medical Mogul Academy, always giving credit where credit is due. I have another partner who is watching, Dr. Kathy, hashtag Center for Mind, Body, Medicine and Dr. James Gordon. Again, people who have poured in so that we can pour out. We can pour out. So, all right. Thank you again for that thought and for the inspiration, the inspiration. And yes, the Deltas are in the house, a whole community of support. My goodness. So today with our time together, I really want to take advantage of our collective expertise in wellness and in in obesity medicine and ask you about your approach and i'm dividing it up into three areas topic areas and hopefully our audience will be able to follow along so you know this show is named as it is weightless in mind body and spirit so i want to start with mind and a little subset of mind, which includes the brain. Mind does include more than the brain, but I want to focus us into the brain as we go into the mind. And then for body, I want to talk about that big term, diet, that word diet, and the different nutritional approaches and recommendation, because Lord knows there's so much confusion out there, isn't there, right? And, and also what people's approach is to diet. And then finally, three, I want to bring it back to the spirit, that very complex, nuanced part that I feel kind of puts the circle around all of it. And then I want to finish up with your book and how you titled it as such, because I just love that title. That title is so dynamic and so engaging. So here we are today. We're talking about what's the skinny on weight loss. What is the skinny on weight loss? And it is so important for our health and well-being that we are able to be whole, healthy, and healed in the body that we're in, in the body that we're in. So first, let's talk about that. My question to you, Dr. Jada, what goes on in the physiology and the neurobiology of the brain that influences
1: the body? Absolutely, thank you for um, for that warm intro and also into just setting the tone for how I like to approach um, weight loss and particularly that aspect of our wellness um, plan. So starting with the mind and thanks for making that distinction with the brain. People will typically think that the brain is... Uh, kind of fixed in one and has one, one capacity, One, it's just only one way that the brain can operate and that is the involuntary way. But I like to kind of separate that in the voluntary functions. That means those things that we have some jurisdiction over. Now, when we talk about what we can do, I like to separate a little bit further what we call the mind. And the mind is that willful place, that place of dialogue and communication with self. It's our place, our compass from which we determine our sense of self and how we operate in our thinking and in our believing. And in those things that eventually create mindsets and thought patterns, we talk about a mindset a lot. So, I'd like to start by making the distinction is that the brain functions, obviously, to keep our body moving the way we should, to send signals to our nerve endings and signals to our muscles. But our mind, as a separate entity, is really one of those things that we get a safe thought in. So, that should be reassuring. That should be really, really, really reassuring. However, That doesn't feel the same way. It doesn't feel as reassuring when our mind may be telling us things or leading us into experiences that we don't like, but we we don't, but we but we feel stuck. So there's this this thought that we will say, Well, it is what it is, or that's just the reality of it. And it's such a resolve and it's such a resignation and it's just so final. And it makes it as though we have no say-so over our reality or the is what it is. And so I like by starting, starting to give you some power back in that area. And to say, you absolutely have a say-so. It is what it is now. But it is not all that it has the potential to be in any moment because we can shift that. And it is the reality that it is now because it is the way we see it now. And if we choose a new reality, we get to take action in that aspect of it. So that's what I really like to start as a framework, because in the work that I do, and especially in the weight loss realm, When I pair up the coaching, the coaching is essentially success coaching and particularly personal success, because what I know for certain is we are a brilliant people. And a lot of the women that I work with are profoundly and just amazingly successful professionally in their business, in their careers. And then there may be, however, a sacrifice in the area of personal success. So what I aim to do is to shorten the divide, bridge the gap, eliminate the distance between professional success and personal success. And it does start in our minds. So that, that's, that's my approach from the mind perspective.
0: Wonderful. Beautiful. and And it's complex, isn't it? And then that part where we go into the brain and the body and how the brain communicates to the body and the body communicates to the brain, that's also extremely complex. All of the signaling, the protein formation, the biochemistry of it, the physiology of that. So when you have a patient or a client in front of you, How is it that you explain that aspect to them? Because I find that many people, they stop short. Well, I know what to eat. I I think I'm doing everything right, yet I can't lose the weight or I keep gaining weight.
1: What What might be going on between the brain and the body? That's a really good point. And I get that as well. Um, Dr. Carol, a few things that come up with that is one, and if we'll slip into the physical or the physiology, the mind-body part, in the diet. I'm going to just tie that in, if that's okay. Uh, one of the things is that, and I'm going to tie the mind back to it too. It's is not really even knowing what you're doing. You don't know exactly what you're doing. You don't know exactly why you're doing it, and really have not created. The framework for long-term success in your life. A lot of times, I see people they're gonna they're gonna do a whole thirty, or they're gonna eat raw. I had a client the other day; she's gonna eat raw, and I was like, "Well, what was your game plan for that?" I just thought I was gonna eat raw and then I was gonna lose some weight. And she did it for seven days, and what was your plan for day eight? And there wasn't one. So what's your plan for day 21? So sometimes just not having the framework set up for success because you're grabbing at straws. It's like, what can I do next? And so it's almost like it's happening out of a place of desperation. And we do know that any of us, no matter whether it's um, weight, food, diet, money, relationships, when we get into a desperate scarcity mindset, then we will often make decisions that are not really glued together really well. (laughs) They just seem like a great idea in the moment. It's going to give me something quick. It's going to turn over fast. And then that can start a cycle of disappointment, frustration, and self-judgment, which then that, that mind part of it sends out chemicals that are like, eh, why even buy the honey? You tried, you've done this before. Oh, we just, we can't do it. And then the body will begin to send signals to change the appetite, to kind of take you back to where you were. So to, uh, to say that that connection is really there is absolutely, absolutely there. Another thing that I find is consistency can be a real challenge for people. Um, and and in the instance i use as an example, the person that told me she was going to start eating raw. Maybe my advice to her, if you choose that, if, if you've chosen that for a, a valid, good reason and it's a good fit for you, instead of trying to just go all out, maybe start with one raw day a week. Mm-hmm. And then work yourself into do that really, really well for a month and then add another day and do that really, really well. So I think consistency because that sends messages and signaling to the body as well. I'm kind of rolling through things that I see people will do uh, that don't get the results that they're looking for that are not really, really things that I think are, are going to lead to success. The other things that people say, well, I don't eat all day. I don't eat but one meal a day. So, you know, I don't understand why I'm gaining weight or why I can't lose the weight. I don't understand that this is crazy. I don't, I'm busy and I don't do, I'm, I'm just, I'm not even eating that much. Diet. And I say, okay, no argument here. You may only be eating once a day and maybe that isn't enough. Or maybe what you are eating when you do eat. Maybe you, you're so hungry, you're like, I don't care what I eat. I'm going to eat until my heart's desire. And that may be after the point that your stomach really is full. Another one, somebody's putting out their emotional eating. And that's a wonderful place to segue in. Because I think this ties in the mind and the body and the spirit really nicely. Because the emotional eating is so often driven from a place that um, may be related to past trauma, may be related to pain, may just be related to stress, even boredom. And last week on my live, I said, even happy is an emotion happy is an emotion especially when things haven't been really going your way and now something great happens and it's like okay let's let me eat here and so that ties into the physical craving the physical craving that's coming from the uh, mind and or emotional place that ties into the spiritual place and often that place is a place where we are um challenged in terms of how our sense of self is set up, how we see ourselves as a divine uh, being and all of the powerful creation and co-creation ability that we have as a God-like being, person, human. And I see that a lot of times our spirits have been disconnected in our ability to uh, again to to co-create and bring forth the things that we truly desire. So sometimes the 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 what I what I will describe often as that alignment that really allows us to thrive can sometimes get you know separated one thing is on the 10th floor and Another thing is over on the fourth floor and something else is on the first floor. And so we often um, end up acting out of what we know. So when it comes to emotions, we may be like, what I know to do is eat, because that just feels better in the moment. What I know to do is drink, because that just relaxes and calms me down. So there are a lot of ways that these interplays reinforce each other, and those are through brain chemicals.
0: You can't be heard if you're on mute. Thank you for that wonderful and thoughtful response. That was just delightful. We you, as you can see, this audience is awake. They are engaged. We have a question from Patricia. Is there a way to turn off the hunger hormones? She feels that hers are always elevated, which you know takes us right back into that physical, that brain body. Connection. So she says she feels her hormones are sending signals that she's starving and she knows she is not. So maybe you could talk a little bit about those uh, two special hormones, the ghrelin and the leptin.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. That's a great question. And thanks for sharing that because you are not alone. And definitely there are hormones that send signaling and communicate between the brain and the gut to help us coordinate when we're hungry and when we're full. And there are some other hormones that I think, uh, and neurotransmitters that also factor in. So I'll I'll throw in a little bit uh, about those as well. So one of of the, the two big ones that help to manage our appetites or cravings are ghrelin and leptin. Leptin lets us know that, oh, we're good. I'm starting to feel okay. All right, this is a good time to, to to stop. And ghrelin is the one that's like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm still hungry. I'm hungry again. So that's the hormone that does that. And they communicate with other hormones, POMC and other hormones that are in our bodies. Here's the thing that I find very often, and these will be three, maybe three or four things to check. One is um, is how you sleep because we don't really check these hormones per specifically, but there are some clues that we can look at as to what, they, what the balance may be. So one is what's the quality of sleep that you have? Because those hormones, uh, particularly lef- leptin, are uh, made overnight or during the period of rest, which is short for restoration. So that's when the store gets restocked, right? So during rest and repair, that hormone begins to increase. If your sleep is broken, if it's inconsistent, if you don't get to the deeper, higher quality levels of sleep that allow that production to be regular and robust, then you may find that those hormones don't come to do their job as well because they're not as readily available. So that's one thing is to check the quality of sleep that you have. Now, I told you I'd throw in another couple of hormones as we talk this through. Uh, And for women, depending on what stage and age of life you're in, there are other hormones that may impact that. And those are the male-female hormones that we often think about in terms of childbearing and menstrual cycles and fertility and sex and sexual interest and libido, but those hormones also have an important role in metabolism. And so when those hormones are out of balance, not only do they affect metabolism, but they also affect how you rest. So if you're up kicking the covers off all night, or you can't seem to get relaxed enough to fall into sleep, a deep, restful sleep, then there may be another hormone imbalance that's going to affect a different hormone. The other thing that I find is how we literally feel. That means what your mood is like, what your energy levels are like, what your focus and concentration is like, and another hormone or other hormones that affect that or neurotransmitters in the brain like serotonin nor epinephrine. Well, they have a role also in how you metabolism, how the appetite shows up, when it will calm down and when it will be in an uproar. And also it may pair up with things like your mood, feeling in a low mood, feeling in a blue funk or feeling like you're in a slump or kind of agitated and anxious and worried about things that people don't generally worry about to the level that you worry about and fidgeting and uh, just kind of feeling like things are are out of sort. One of the things I describe is a sense of overwhelm. Well, then that starts to excite another hormone, cortisol. So now cortisol is in an uproar. Now it's like, well, I got to come to the rescue every day. (laughs) Every day there's a new problem that I got to come to the rescue for. And so that's when we start to see those changes in appetite, changes in energy even more. And particularly we'll begin to see a lot of weight gain around the midsection. So that's that belly fat that's starting to show up. So there's so many ways that our body, which is trying its darn best, is trying its best to help us out and to make sure that it's working well. It's just, you know, when we get out of sync, then it's got to respond. And so those are some of the things that I would kind of look at in your life, Patricia, to see if uh, any of those things are showing up for you. One other thing I'll add very quickly around sleep is there is a lot of undiagnosed sleep disorders. And so it's going to require sometimes more than just Unisom or Benadryl to get sleep. I want you to understand that those are short-term treatments that I really don't recommend. But if you got to do something, that is not a long-term solution. If you find that you have to take Benadryl or Tylenol PM or Unisom or a glass of wine every night to sleep or to get rest, there's another underlying situation that we need to look at. And so don't spend a lot of time, i.e. months and years, doing that.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you for your response. And just to remind all our audience, this information that we share, we're not diagnosing, we're not treating. It is for informational and educational purposes only. And we are... Responding from the evidence base. So what is the research saying? What is the science saying? And Dr. Jada is really dropping her expertise and pearls with us this morning regarding this amazing and fascinating topic. So we're going to continue just a little bit more with the body. And you notice we've kind of been interweaving it all because truly in the world of obesity medicine, we really can't separate out mind, body, and spirit because it's all happening simultaneously in the body. Is it not? Is it not? So, oh, we have another question uh, about... um, hypoglycemia. I saw that flash on there. So we'll we'll answer that. And I just want to drop a couple of seeds in your very, the fertile soil of your mind, because we hear so much about the word diet. I believe that the word diet is misused. And you were getting at that in part of your answer, where someone will come to you and say, well, I'm going to be raw. I'm going to be raw for seven days as, as, as if diet is a short term piece that you could go on for X amount of time. You're going to hit a goal at the end of X amount of time. And then the tendency is to go back to former behaviors. Whereas when we're talking about diet Uh, In the rest of the natural world, we talk about the natural diet of the elephant, the natural diet of the bee, the natural diet of the dog, for example. And we're not using diet as a short-term goal. We're using diet in its relationship as this is the optimized way for this species to approach the intake of food and drink. Whereas human beings, we think we could go on the raw diet. We think we could go on the low fat diet. We think we could go on the Mediterranean diet. And after X amount of time, we can stop and then go back to whatever it is that we were doing before that got us into the position where we thought, oh, well, if I go on this diet, I'm going to fix this. So just in in, in terms. So first of all. Let me get your response to this idea or this concept of diet as we really take a little bit more of a deeper dive into body as our second topic of today.
1: Yes, uh, I think you're. I totally agree that diet is one of those words that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, I think, by and large the way that it got commercialized and created a more popular cultural context is through the introduction of diet, you know, diets for the purpose of weight loss or other outcomes. So to use the term diet tends to imply, as you mentioned, a short stint or a temporary uh, effort to get a certain response in a temporary and short period of time. Now, of course, we hear other diets that come out. It's the, you know, the thyroid diet or the... So there there are lots of terms. What I like to say is, because I think language matters, is to use the term, I use the term, your eating strategies. Like what, 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 we, what outcome are we looking for and what strategies does it take to get us there and creating a lifestyle around it that works. So, you, so to look at your diet in the initial uh, context of it is that means the groupings of food or food uh, and beverages that we put into a meal which are defined by others as well. When we eat is defined by others, it's something we picked up. And it is something that we follow uh, for a certain period of time. So I like to say eating strategies, especially when we're looking at um, strategic eating for weight maintenance, weight loss, weight control, as we create a lifestyle plan of how you will eat to fuel your body. And we talk about what does that, how do you know you're on the right track? Because you feel better. <laughs> the weight is coming off and it's staying off. You have the energy that it takes to do the things you need to do. Your skin is clearing up, your hair is growing. So, and those are the things that you want to use as cues to say, I should keep going in this direction. Beautiful. I love this diet. Don't eat intentionally.
0: Eat timelessly. That is great. That's a great acronym that one of our wonderful audience members has just come up with. so little inspiration there. So now some of the more popular diets and I'm just going I'm, I'm going to actually um, mention three low-carbohydrate diet as number one. Number two, Mediterranean diet as number three. And number four, meal replacements. Now, we know that any of these, and I love your terminology here, eating strategies can result in weight loss. However, Would you mind just sharing with us um, perhaps um, a little bit of a definition or a a plus of, for example, the low carbohydrate diet? So what is low carbohydrate diet and what might be a plus of that approach or that eating strategy?
1: Okay, good. Thanks, Dr. Carol. That's a great way to to slice these up here. So the sweet Uh, pun intended. (laughs) So... (laughs) So a low-carbohydrate diet um, is going to focus on, you know, obviously having foods that are lower in carbohydrate content. And I'm going to break this down into two ways. So low-carbohydrate content, first of all, if we think about the food groups, whether it's proteins, fats, or carbohydrates are macronutrients, then carbohydrate carbohydrates are that category that we tend to think of that contains our, our starches is what we may, may have called it in the past. So it's your pastas, your grains, it's things that your bread, rice, oats, things like that. Potatoes would also fall into that category. So a low carbohydrate diet, depending on which low carb diet you're following, and you know I've been in long enough to remember the beginning of uh, Atkins when it first hit the airwaves and I believe their carbohydrate str- strategy was less than 30. So uh, some may even go up to a hundred grams of carbs per day. And you have to look on the label and be proficient with label reading to either understand what that is, or now we got apps for that. So a low carbohydrate diet is going to mean that you're focusing on foods or, or not eating or not consuming foods that are in that carbohydrate group. So the benefit of that is that it keeps the body from having to process a lot of extra glucose because those carbohydrates are going to be broken down into digestible elements, one being glucose. Well, what happens is if we have too much carbohydrate, then we have a lot of glucose that we have now made available. If we don't use that glucose in a fairly reasonable amount of time, maybe an hour or so, then what we don't use becomes stored. And it ironically doesn't store as more glucose, it stores as fat. And so when we have high carbohydrate loads that also causes our body to spike insulin and insulin signals storage. So we may get into, again, more uh, uh, of more what we don't want. So the thought and the theory is to lower that carbohydrate content so that we can better manage or control how glucose is released and therefore how fat is stored. And if you get it low enough, then you won't store fat. And in fact, you may even release fat So that the fat becomes used as fuel, and so that's what we, you know, obviously want to see happening when we're looking to lose weight. The weight that you're looking to lose is fat. We don't want to lose muscle. We don't want to lose bone. We don't want to lose we want to reduce fat. So that is that strategy, Um, and it and it can really work for people who are tending towards. Diabetes, or they have a diabetes in their family, so family history, or people who um, are susceptible for uh, high blood pressure, heart issues, which we'll talk a little bit more in the Mediterranean. But that's the person that's going to typically benefit uh, most from that. It's even people who have like uh, PCOS which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, may do better with a lower carb diet since we're talking diets. Here's the challenge with that is, one is we can sometimes eliminate carbohydrates that are actually beneficial. So I always will say, people will typically say, I'm on a diet and I don't eat this and this and this and this and this. But then what you do eat, may not be any better, and it certainly may not provide the nutrients that you need. So I will always say we have to ensure that while you're eliminating, we're also still bringing in or maintaining those things that are very, very important. So uh, the other point that I was going to make about carbohydrates is not just the class of the macronutrient, but what we found is that those macronutrients, the carbohydrates, the glucose, has what's called a glycemic index. So some of them are um, higher uh, glycemic index than others. So what does that mean? In short, that means that we can have carbs that are better for us. So they're lower glycemic, so they don't raise or spike our glucose levels, but they allow us to get a nice infusion in that balances how we feel, especially if we're going to go and take a walk, why not have a slice of grapefruit or slice up some pears and apples and eat those? No, you don't necessarily have to get a donut from Krispy Kreme because that's not the kind of glucose that we want you to have. It ain't going to do nothing. So so bypass that because it's got a higher glycemic index. And by the time you drive in your car to get to where you're going and sit at your desk, you wouldn't have, trust me, you would have not worked off that donut. So it's going to (laughs) store. So sometimes it's looking at the quality of the carbohydrate that is important as well. Those are sources of fiber for us and those do some important things.
0: All right, all right. So now we've got about four more minutes to get Ooh, yeah, to these other two points with the Mediterranean diet and the meal replacement. And I also want our wonderful audience to know how they can get in touch with you. So
1: take it away. Take us through Mediterranean so meal the, replacement. Let's get I'm, it. I'm going. I'm fast tracking. I'm gonna give you the. I'm gonna give you the skinny. So the Mediterranean diet. Uh, just obviously, it comes from a Mediterranean uh, cultural uh, way of eating, where there, where studies show that people who ate that way or use those eating strategies tended to have less heart problems, less problems with cholesterol, less problems with high blood pressure. So that diet seemed to be a diet that would give good results in any place outside the Mediterranean. For that reason. So it's typically going to be one that focuses on vegetables. It's going to be kind of, if I were to use words like plant-based, it would be a little bit more plant-based in its orientation. So it's going to uh, center around vegetables. It's going to center around healthy fats, particularly like olive oil and avocados. So healthy fats is a component of the Mediterranean, which it does a job. And then the other thing is going to be leaner meats. So we're going to stay away from those kind of higher fat, higher um, calorie meats like beef or steak and pork and things like that. And we're going to go more towards those leaner meats and even fish because those metabolize differently and can be more supportive because they put out nutrients that can be helpful to the cardiovascular system. So they're going to be rich in omega-3 fish oils and coenzyme Q10 and all of those things. So we're actually going to get something from our diet. And this is the part that we talk about, not only what you're consuming calorically, but the nourishment or the nutrition that comes from it. So that's what I would say with Mediterranean. So if you got any of those blood vessel things, history or predisposed for strokes or heart disease and stuff like that, that may be for you. And what about the meal replacement? Meal replacement, uh, you can look at it a couple of ways. Meal replacement is typically going to be a product that has been designed to be quick, uh, convenient, and prepared. So that's something that's prepped or prepared in advance. And that probably goes back to the quick and convenient. Some of them have some reasonably decent nutritional components of them. Uh, they're going to typically be anything from a from a box. So a, a protein bar or even to a container that would be a shake. And sometimes even meal preps with things like Jenny Craig and places that would deliver pre-prepared meals. So those are considered to still be meal replacements. Those can have a role for the right person, particularly if uh, the alternative for you is going to be a lot of snacks that are also prepped, but have no nutritional value. So there may be a role in those. There are some programs that use meal replacements for a good bit of time, and those can be helpful with reducing weight, especially what we have to think about is, is anything perfect? No. But coming from where, they, where you may have been coming from, that may be a reasonable option. It typically is not a long-term plan. So you should be implementing some other strategies in place along the way so that you can maintain the results that may have occurred as a result of meal replacements. You have to watch out for the sodium and you have to watch out for the preservatives that are in those.
0: Yes. Thank you. So you did mention the label reading. So take home point for our audience pick up, read the labels. If you have questions, you can reach out to Dr. Jada at drjadamd.com. You can see that scrolling across the bottom. You can certainly reach out to yours truly. And as we were saying, you know, mind, body, and spirit. So just a word or two about that spiritual component, and then we're going to have
1: to get out of here. (laughs) Well, when I... Uh, break down spirit. I like to separate first of all from the context of religion. So often when people hear that word, they become you know alert and sometimes almost um, closed off. So I don't I want to start by saying I'm not referencing any particular religion when I say spirit. I really am referring to the the essence of who you are, the essence of who you were designed to be, the essence of who you are how you were designed, your divine connection with prime source with God Almighty. And because of that, we get to embody the Spirit of God. In fact, I believe that we we are we have God working in us and through us. So and as us, so we have such a rich spiritual um, foundation that we can begin to see ourselves in a greater capacity, than what the world has seen us as, or maybe how we've seen ourselves. So we get to use that spiritual agreement, that spiritual position, that spiritual pedagogy. We get to use that in communication with God and the divine and the universe to to help us to determine our best ways of going through this life. So sometimes we want to and all of us want to get some good advice. We always want to know, well, what do you think or well, what do you think? Well, a lot of our answers are already within it. We just have not been taught how to go within it and how to be within and to be with the things that don't really feel that good, that we don't really want to admit to, that we don't want to own, and how we can shift into an area that is so much more welcoming and exciting for all of who we are and who all of who we are becoming and all of who we get to be.
0: Oh, fabulous. So,
1: Dr. Jada, you have the last
0: word. I do want to invite our audience. I'm gonna be kicking off a wild fit journey, 90-day journey. If you are interested in all of this regarding your lifestyle, how to live your best life, your most abundant life, and I hope Dr. Jada, you'll stick around a few more moments in the green room as we go off air next week. Join us, Dr. Sabrina and Jai will be with us live, and I'm going to sign us out now. Thank you, Dr. Jada.
1: Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, everybody. Really? No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. Mm, greatness. The time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. Mm, courageous. If only they could see you going through
0: your paces,
1: mm, it's amazing. Weightless.